If you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to continue our study in the book of Jonah. We'll still be at chapter 1. I want to back up and look at a couple more things from Brother Terry Barnes. I told you last week that he taught the course in our, in our Bible college course. He's one taught. And I went back through and looked at some of the things and um, from, from verses 1 and 2 of Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So we... We looked at the fact last week that it doesn't tell us how God spoke to Jonah the first time. All we know is that he spoke to him. And we talked about it, it was clear and obvious the second time. He spoke to him through the storm. The winds were howling, the waves splashing. But it really doesn't tell us how he talked to him the first time. But here's one thing that we know for a fact. The message that God gave him was perfectly clear. However he spoke to Jonah... He told him in a way that Jonah knew exactly what he was supposed to do, exactly where he was supposed to go, and what he was supposed to do when he got there. This was a personal call. God still makes personal calls. God is still a personal God. He is your God. He is my God. He's not just our God. He's not just the God. He's not just creator God. He's not just Jehovah God, redeemer God, omnipresent God. He is my God. He is your God. He is a very personal God and he makes very personal calls on our lives. God can speak to us a lot of ways. Now, all of us has had a lot of different ways that God get, has, has spoken to us, but sometimes it's through circumstances. Somebody say amen. So, sometimes it's through situations. Sometimes it's, it's through trials and, and struggles. Sometimes it's through disappointments. Sometimes it's through songs. Sometimes it's through music. You know, y'all ever been just listening to some music and all of a sudden a certain song comes and I mean, before you know it, you are lost in worship. It's kind of like things just, I can tell you, I get those moments and, and my dad, my sister says, amen, because they get to enjoy my singing when I'm on a lawnmower. But when I'm on a lawnmower and it kicks in, my, my neighborhood gets to enjoy some terrible singing. But I got to sing loud if I want to hear me over that lawnmower. I mean, I got a headset competing with the lawnmower and all. I got to sing loud if I want to hear how bad I'm singing. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Nothing really matters. You, you kind of get in that time, but the Lord can speak to us through songs. Man, sometimes before you know it, the Holy Spirit gets in and like the floodgates open and you start getting direction. You start getting things, but it all started with a song. It started with some worship. So there's, there's a lot of ways that, that the Holy Spirit can speak to us. But something else <coughs> that we see here at Jonah that I, 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 believe, I believe we can certainly relate to this part of the story. It's not that Jonah didn't want to serve God. It's just that Jonah didn't want to do that. Oh, my goodness, you did not get up in the house meddling on a Wednesday night and bring up something like that. That's us. That's us. It's not that we don't want to serve God. It's not. Do, we not. do we not pray, God, use me. Use my life for living testimony. Help me to be more like Christ. Use me today to be a witness to somebody. And then you're coming in a gas station, and somebody's standing over at the pump, and God says, go over there and talk to them about Jesus. Oh, no, not that. I thought you said use me today for your glory. Yeah, but not that. Peter's like, why wouldn't you do that? Peter hits the whole gas station every time he goes in. Ain't nobody getting gas at the gas station that Peter don't get. He is a whole aisle while, while he's there. But, but we pray, God, will you use us? Will you bless our life? We, we really want to serve. If you want to serve God, raise your hand. I mean, that's just a reality. Don't want to serve God. Don't we pray that way? 
How many times has God given us something to do and we didn't do it? Now raise your hand again if that's you. If you didn't, one of them two was a story. Because reality is we're, we're no different than, than Jonah. It's not that he doesn't want to serve God. He just doesn't want to do that. Give me something else to do. God, anything but that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody have one of those moments? God, I've taught anybody but that one. You know I can't stand them. That's his problem. He can't stand them. They're, they're brutal. They're mean. They hate the Jews. They, they, they torture Jews. I hate them. I, anybody else. I taught anybody. Just get, I want to serve you. Just give me something else to do. And then God says, well, you see that group of people over there? You see that, that, that homeless group or whatever? You, you, you need to go over there. And, and, and God gives us an opportunity to go be a blessing to somebody. Money, food. Hey, prayer. It don't have to be about money or food. Prayer, goes, prayer, prayer can go home when food runs out. Prayer can stay with them when the money's spent. So you just go be a blessing to people, but it's like, mm, yeah, mm, I don't know, God. Can, can, can you give me something else to do? Some, 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 something different, something more in my lane. Well, what is your lane? The, the lane that morning when we prayed was God used me today for your good, for your glory, that I might be pleasing to you, and then God gives us something to do. And it's not that we don't want to serve God. We just don't want to do that. Well, we're awfully hard on Jonah for running, right? But every time that God gives us something to do and we don't do it, we're standing at Joppa buying our ticket to Tarsus. It's the exact same thing. It, it not doing what God says do is not doing what God says do, and it don't matter how you do it, it's wrong. If it's not for God, it's against God. A couple of people I've talked to today, I'll give you this. You look at both sides of the coin. Sometimes you're living in sin, you know it, and you know why you're going up against what you're going up against. It just is. But other times, it's because you're desiring to be closer to God. And when you're desiring to be closer to God, I'm going to plug this in for you for free, and we're going to move on. When you decide to read your Bible more, when you decide to pray more, when you decide to go to church more, when you decide to serve God more, when you decide to be a witness more, when you say, I want to do more for God, I want to live my life more pleasing to God, and all of a sudden hell shows up on your doorstep and is burning the house down. And it's like everything is going wrong. And you're like, I don't understand. I decided to pray more. I decided to get my life straightened out. I decided to start going to church. I decided to start reading my Bible. I decided to start getting closer to God. Why now does it seem like everything's going wrong? Because when you were walking with hell, it didn't matter. But now you turn around and you're walking face to face against hell and it matters. If you're not meeting hell face to face, you're going in the wrong direction. But when you turn around, you can expect some storms for a while, but it's okay. God will let you go through those storms for a little while. But once you break through those storms, that's what Tim talked about. Now you've learned to trust him. When you first turned around, you really didn't trust him. When you first turned around, you trust him for salvation, but you really didn't trust him on what he could get you through. But after you've seen him get you through some things, then you begin to trust him in a different kind of way. Well, that's all free. Let's go back to the book of Jonah. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. He said, cry against it. Cry against that great city. Now, you think about Nineveh. We talked about it. Expected a million people there. If there's a million people there and all but 120,000 of them are children, that'd leave, what, 880,000? Um, that means there's 880,000 adults there that hate Jonah because he's a Jew. So if I'm Jonah, 
I probably feel like a rat being sent into the cat's cage to go tell the cat what he's doing wrong. Because that's what he's told to do. Go to the enemy and tell them exactly what they're doing wrong. And he's like, no. But we looked at it before. It's not that he's afraid. He's not afraid of the cats. He's not afraid of what they'll do. He's not afraid to kill them. He don't mind if he dies. He just don't want them to get saved. He just, he just hates them that, that bad. So it's easy for us to look at Jonah and be hard on, on Jonah. You know, it seems like if God, if there was a crowd of people, and I can't, I can't put anything there. It would sound like I'm stereotyping people, so I'll just leave it at a crowd of people. But it's a crowd of people that's probably lost. They're in a rough place and they're in a rough life, and God sent you into that. God's purpose is to save that entire group. But it's a dark street, and they're all rough as a cob, and you by yourself, do you go? Well, if God didn't tell you to, probably not. But if God told you to, you better. Because the reality is he may be going to save that whole group, or he may be going to save one in that group, but it's no different than Nineveh. Well, whether or not they repent has nothing to do with you. The only thing that has anything to do with you is, did I go do what God told me to do? You go do what God told you to do. Your rewards are there regardless of what happens on the other end. You don't do what God says do. Well, I don't know. Mate. It probably won't be a well belly, but we'll wind up in a bad spot. So, so um, I, I, was, I was thinking today, y'all, y'all, everybody knows who the Hatfields and McCoys Raise your hand, know the Hatfields and McCoys. It's Wednesday night. We're supposed to be old enough here to understand the Hatfields and McCoys. You know, they're like, they're, they're, they're like <coughs> mortal enemies. And so if I'm a Hatfield and God tells me to go over to the McCoys and tell them about Jesus they get saved, what's my, thir- my first thought going to be? Huh? Yeah. Lord, you just go ahead and, just go ahead and kill them. I ain't finna help no McCoys. See, everybody's got some, some McCoys in their life. I, I, I truly believe, and, and if I'm wrong, then go ahead and accept my apology in advance. But I truly believe that every one of us in this place has had a chance that God has given us something to do and we balked at the opportunity. I truly believe everybody in here has been given an opportunity to serve God, to witness to somebody, to put a dollar in a plate. Everybody, I truly believe that everybody here and everybody on live stream has had some opportunity in our life that God gave us and we balked at it because it wasn't what we wanted to do. Well, that's where we find Jonah. He just didn't want to do that. So we've already covered the ship last week. He's, a, he's asleep down in the bottom of the ship and a Gentile captain has to come and wake him up to tell him to pray. But guess what he didn't do? He didn't pray. At no point does he pray. We find him up there. We find the mariners casting lots to find out what's the storm all about. The lot falls on Jonah and Jonah tells him why he's running. But you don't find Jonah praying. It's not until chapter 2 that we find him praying. It's this whole story. Jonah's not praying. He's just running from God. He's he just going the other way. And then the, the mariners, as we looked at, they didn't want to throw him in. They tried rowing. They didn't want innocent blood on their hands. They're, they're trying, but they can't find it. They have to throw him in. And at the moment they throw him in, the sea is calm. The wind ceased. The storm stopped. Can you imagine the amazement of the sailors? 
Ain't, ain't no wonder they began praying to God. They understood some stuff. So, so they throw him in, and that's when we saw God's first underwater taxi service. And he gets up Jonah, and he, he's headed back toward, he was a, toward Nineveh, where he's supposed to go in the first place. But when we get to chapter 2, we finally see Jonah pray. I mean, it's finally got bad enough. Jonah's going to pray. What ought to be our number one line of defense? Pray. What ought to be our number one line of offense? Pray. But we're no different than Jonah. So many times I'm going to pray, but it's because I've already tried everything else and nothing worked. I've already given it all I got. I've stayed awake at night. I've worked as hard as I can work. I've done everything I can to fix it. And now I'm finally going to pray. That should have been step one. But he's on the run. He prays, but he says, from the belly of hell, I cried. And, and even then, even then, he's on the run. He, he looked God in the face and said, I'm not doing that. He's on the run. And from the belly of hell, from the belly of Sheol, I, I cried. And even then, God heard him. Oh, somebody needs to know. In the midst of his failure, in the midst of his rebellion, this is probably the greatest mistake he ever made in his life. I don't know that. It'd be hard to figure one much better, especially since he's a prophet of God. Since he's sent by God to deliver God's word. This is probably the greatest mistake of his life. Running from what God told him to do. And God still heard his prayer. God still took time to listen to his prayer. There is nothing that you can do in your life that will cause your God to turn his back on you. There is no sin so great, nothing so bad that you can do that God will turn his back on you. Now, you, you may be in the belly of a whale. I don't know. You know, you, you may be wallowing in the pig pen. That's what the prodigal son did. He went out and spent all of his money, all of the father gave him, everything on, on riotous living. You, you, may, you may have looked God in the face like Jonah and said, don't, don't you have something else I can do? That's fine. I just won't do nothing. I'll just go the other way. I mean, everybody, we all have, have our own storms. But no matter how far you run, when you come to your senses and turn around, God will be right there. He'll always be, even in your running, he's protecting you. He didn't use that fish to hurt Jonah. He used that fish to protect Jonah. Jonah would have drowned if that fish wouldn't have scooped him up. He couldn't have swam back to Nineveh if he wanted to. So, so the whole time, God was right there behind him. All he had to do was turn around. No matter how far we run, we can't outrun God. No matter how big of a mess we make out of things, God can take it and make a message that will help somebody else somewhere down the road. We look at Moses. After he killed the Egyptian, he ran. The Bible tells us that he ran to the backside of the Midian Desert. Elijah ran. After calling fire down from heaven, after it licked up the sacrifice, after he had the 450 false prophets of Baal killed, we, we find him running. Peter denied that he even knew who Jesus was. I know not this man. I, I'm not one of them. I, 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 don't, I don't know him. As I mentioned, the prodigal spent all of his money on riders living, and he's in the pig pen. But God has a plan for every life, and God will never give up on you. Me, us, I only say you not as a slang to cast it out. This is to myself. I just want to make sure you understand God ain't never going to quit on you. 
No matter what kind of storm, no matter what you're going through, God will never give up on us. Verse number three, Jonah said, Thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. How all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then said I, I am cast out of thy sight. You can't get out of the sight of God. Yet will I look again toward thy holy temple. Jonah said, God, you've cast me into the deep. You've cast judgment upon me. You have forgotten me. See, Jonah saw himself as banished from the presence of God. He said, I'm no longer in your sight. I'm cast out of your sight. But I'm going to turn to your holy temple anyway. And I'm going to cry out to you anyway. Anybody ever felt like that? Anybody? Uh, hey, so I can tell you, anybody felt like you were invisible to God? Anybody ever felt like your prayers wasn't getting past that ceiling? But you kept on praying anybody, anyway? Anybody ever felt like your, your prayers were falling on deaf ears? There ain't nobody hearing you but you, but you kept on praying anyway? You just kept on going into the throne room of grace that you might obtain mercy anyway? You just kept on begging God anyway? You just kept on crying out even though it felt like nothing of to was coming to avail? Seemed like everything's going, you just kept on going? Jonah said, I'm just, I'm just coming on anyway. I, I know I went too far. I, 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 know, I, I know what I've done, but, but I'm coming to you anyway. I know I've messed up. I'm probably the last one you want to hear from. Anybody been there? I know I messed up. Now, now this one ain't no longer what, what God's put on me. This is the stuff I brought on myself. See, there's a difference. You can go through storms that God allowed like Job. When he was a perfect man and eschewed evil and was upright in all of his ways, you've done nothing wrong that you can think of and you know it. But yeah, you're going through hell on earth. But there's other times you're going through hell on earth and you know exactly why. You know exactly what the sin is. You know exactly what the little pet sin is you're holding on to. You know exactly what God's been dealing with. I'm just not willing to let go. I'm just going to hold on to it. Jonah's in a mess. Jonah's in a mess. He, he, he's in that spot that I, I'm just thinking he probably feels like, God, I know I'm the last one you want to hear from. I, 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 know, I know what I've done. The waters can pass me about in verse number five. Even to the soul, the depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. You remember Jonah's call, chapter one, God said, get up, go up, cry up. But Jonah got up and he went down. He only got one thing right. He got up, but from there on, he went in the wrong direction. You remember what we looked at? When we do anything that is against the will of God, it will take us down physically and spiritually. You cannot go against God and not go in a downward motion. Everything is in the wrong direction. Remember, we, Jonah, Jonah says here that, that from the belly of hell cried I out to God. He said, even though he, he thought he's banished from God, he says, I went down. He, he's still talking in verse number six, still in the wrong direction. I went down to the bottoms of the mountain. So he's, he feels like he's at the bottoms of the mountain, at the bottom of the ocean. He feels like he's about as low as he can go. He can't get any lower than, than right here to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet has thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. I went down as far as I could go. I said one prayer and God brought me up. 
When I had gone as far as I could go, when my soul fainted, verse 7, within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, and thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Can, can I show you something about God's mercy there in that prayer? Anybody want to tell me what's missing in that prayer? Hmm? Apology. There's no I'm sorry. There's no confession of sin in that prayer. There's no God I messed up. There's no God I'm on the run. There's no, he's praying, but not once does he admit any. Guilt. At no point does he confess his sin. If anything, he brags on himself in all this. Are y'all with me? How many fingers y'all got? I'll go ahead and tell you, you're going to need to take your shoes off and borrow your neighbor's hands. I want you to listen to the personal pronouns in this prayer. I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell cried I. And thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas. And the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and the waves passed over me. Then said I. I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy hill. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars without me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, unto thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Doesn't sound like his focus is in the right place. This prayer is all about me. There, there's no apology in there. There's no confession of, of my sin. There is 24 personal pronouns right there not once does he point out his failure nor does he point out that the condition of his result is a condition of his failure yet god answered jonah somebody can say thank you jesus somebody's got to see god's mercy and all that jonah doesn't talk about god jonah doesn't talk about god's mercy but he talks about how he called out for God's mercy. That doesn't sound like much of a confession, does it? In the secret church that night at 6 p.m. to 2 a.m., I told y'all we did secret church. David Platt taught that course. <coughs> he said, Jonah didn't deserve God's mercy, nor does he repent. But he does cry out to God, and God, because of his mercy, heard God anyway. David says this. Y'all ready? Man, note takers, y'all need to get your pen ready. If you ain't a note taker, get your phone out, text it to yourself. This, this, this is what David said. I, I love it. God's capacity to forgive whew, is greater than your capacity to sin. <laughs> Somebody do a lap. Shout hallelujah or something. Somebody ought to bounce off the wall. Let that settle in for a minute. Anybody in here ever had any sin in your life? 
Anybody ever done anything that's disgusting even to you? Anybody ever thought junk and you wonder how can God ever, I mean, how bad of a sin have we thought? How bad of a sin have we done? How bad a sin have we seen? How much sin is in this world? And here he reminds us that God's capacity to forgive is greater than your capacity to sin. You can take that home, stick it in the bank, and chew on that for a while. That'll help you get over some stuff. That'll let you kick the devil right in the mouth, say, slew foot, leave me alone. That was yesterday's news. Forgive and forgotten. See you bygone. In the name of Jesus, don't come back. That, 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 one, that one will help some folks if you hang on to it. <clears throat> so if we go back and re we review just a minute uh, of the travel, uh, of Jonah's travel right here, and I want to review our own lives. How many of you know that I often talk about stop signs and red lights? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know you ain't supposed to be going there. God gives you a stop sign. You know what it's about. That's an opportunity to turn around. But it's just a little stop sign. Who pays any attention to them out in the country anyway, right? And, and, and so we, we, we know that God gives us so many opportunities to turn around when we're going the wrong way. And, and all we ever have to do is just turn around. But if you look back at your life, if you look back at times, especially as a Christian, when we got off course, you can look back and you can remember all of the stop signs. Jonah went through several opportunities. I have no doubt the entire time he's walking towards Joppa, God ain't hushing. God didn't get quiet because he's walking in the wrong direction. I don't believe that. I believe the whole time he's walking to Joppa, God's telling him, turn around, boy. Turn around. They don't tell him things that happened along the way to let him know. Turn around, you're going the wrong direction. None of us that way. He had, he had opportunities. Then he got to the ticket booth there at Joppa. Turn around. You don't need a ticket. Wrong way. But he buys the ticket, headed to Tarshish. Now he's got some money in the game. It just got harder to turn around. You see that? See, you went a little further. You made it a little harder to turn around. You made it a little harder to stop. So now, now I've got some investment. I done, I done bought a ticket. Now you get to the boarding of the ship. Son, you don't have to get on that ship. That ship's going the wrong way. All you got to do is turn around. But he got on the ship. I figure he's probably trying to hear him from God. And I guess God allowed him to go to sleep because I know he can wake you up when he wants to. But he went down to the ship and went to sleep. I imagine he's trying not to hear the voice of God anymore. He just wants to get away from that, going in the wrong direction, so he's sound asleep. And then the captain comes down and wakes him up. He's had all these chances to turn around. The mariners ask him, what have you done? Why are we in this? What's the storm about? Another opportunity to turn around. All he had to say was turn the ship around. Just turn around and everything will be calm. But he said, I'd rather die first. You just throw me in the sea. I'm not going to do that. I, I'd rather see you just, just catch me. I, I'm not going to turn around. I would rather die than turn around now. But God in his mercy has a plan even now. Just because you said no, you didn't change God's mind. Just because we said no, we didn't change God's plan. God's going to accomplish it. We're just putting ourselves through stuff we didn't have to go through. We're never going to stray away from God, ignore God, deny God, run from God, and God not give us opportunities to turn around. How hard we fall 
is determined by how long we run. Mm, boy, that was way too personal for Wednesday night. I done messed up everything. God will bring things to light. And God will put a stop to sinful things. Now, you can keep running stop signs until they become red lights. And you can start running red lights. But I assure you, God will turn you around one way or another. God's going to accomplish his purpose. Now, there are those we talked about. I want to share something with you. This is, this is really good, and we'll be done in a minute. But we talked about, I don't remember, maybe on that Sunday morning a couple weeks back, but we, we talked about how there are a lot of people who try to say, well, you know, Jonah and the well is just a fairy tale, right? I mean, nobody gets swallowed by a fish and lives, and there, you know, it didn't really happen like that. It's just, it's just like a parable that Jesus used, some kind of story. Well, you know, I hate to read, I really do, but I love the stuff that I get from reading. Do you know how many people have been swallowed by whales and lived? Look it up. Read it. I'm amazed it's not just Jonah, but I learned some stuff by listening to what happened to one of the men that went through the same process. 1891, guy's name's James Bartley. He's on a ship called the Star of the East. It, it is a whaling vessel. And they have harpooned a large sperm whale. And, and, you know, the boats weren't like cruise ships of the day, you know. They're quite a bit outsized. And so in the struggle and the harpooning and in the battle and the fight with the whale, this Mr. Bartley fell overboard. And they all soon did he died. They finally harvested the whale. They couldn't lift them up. Their ship's not big. They would drag the whales back to the shore where they would get them up in the water shallow enough to begin to dismember them to take all the usable parts of the body. A day and a half later, they find Mr. Bartley alive and well inside the whale. They thought he drowned. But listen to a story. He says... Remember what, remember what Jonah said, right? From the belly of hell. From the belly of Sheol, I cried. So, so that kind of paints a picture. If we're talking about hell, we're talking, number one, about heat. And we're talking, number two, about darkness. Because that's what hell is. The Bible calls it outer darkness. Cast out from the presence of God. There is no light. If there were any light at all, light is God. Light dispels darkness. So hell is complete utter darkness there can't be any light because light is of God so it is separated so there's no light so hell is, is heat and hell is darkness this is what he said I could breathe easily but the heat was unbearable and the darkness was like nothing anyone could ever experience anywhere after the ordeal, because of the gastric juices of the whale's stomach bleaching and burning his skin, his physical appearance was permanently altered. His skin was bleached to a vivid whiteness. Can you imagine the gastric acids that dissolves the food burning your skin? So it's not just the heat of inside, but it is the heat of just like the lake of fire. It is something against Jonah, burning something. He said, from the belly of hell, I'm crying. He is inside, breathing in the issue. The seaweed wrapped all around, and you can't see. It's smut black. I mean, 
I don't know how you can even try to comprehend. We've never seen anything that black. You get inside a whale's belly and go into the depths of the ocean. How black can you get? I mean, there wouldn't be any light present inside the whale unless you could somehow look out the peephole. And, and, and then when he closes that thing up to go underwater and he goes to the bottom of the mountains, we don't know how many thousand feet deep he may have been. And he's carrying them off. And, and, and so you have an 1891, Mr. Bartley, describes what Jonah, but he was in there a day and a half. Jonah's in there three days. I don't know. I'm going to study this. I'll go ahead and give you all a little foretaste. I can't wait. I had not studied ahead yet. But y'all remember what Jonah did after he went through Nineveh? Shade tree. Wonder why he needed a shade tree. Wonder why he needed that gourd. Listen, if your skin is bleached, stark, white, and you're still burning from the gastric juices of a stomach, I imagine that sun was burning that little backside up. I imagine there's a reason he needed some shade. He, need, he needed to get in out of the sun because he's done been bleached. And he says, from hell I cried. See, all of it could have been avoided if he just turned around. All of it could have been avoided if he just did what God said do. If he just went to Nineveh and said, 40 days, if you don't repent, all of you will be destroyed. That's all he had to do. That's his mission. Go to Nineveh. 40 days, if you don't repent, all of Nineveh will be destroyed. That was his message. That's all he had to do, and he avoided all of us. See, many Christians today are going through hell on earth because they, like Jonah, they know what this is all about. Y'all work with me. I know ain't none of us in here, but y'all work because we know somebody. There are Christians living in this casual Christianity world that are living in sin, open sin, glutton sin. Some of us open and some of us pet sin. Some of us dark sin. Some of us things they think nobody knows nothing about, but you can rest assured God knows. And a lot of people are going through stuff because they simply won't turn around. And the sad part is God's standing right there. He's not back there. He's, he's not in the next case. He's standing right there. Just like with the prodigal son with the father. He's sitting there looking. He's looking for the son to come back. He saw him a great way off. Ran to him and fell. He recognized him as soon as he saw him. God's standing right there. And people won't turn around. It's not just running from failures. It's when God gives us something to do. And, and we're a little scared to do it or reluctant to do it or don't want to do it. God's standing right there. All you got to do is what God says. Rewards are earned. Now, blessings are free. I, I think every one of us can easily say, I am living a very undeserved life. I am living a life of exceeding abundant blessings above and beyond my, my greatest expectations. We are living a life of free, undeserved blessings. I'm not living what I deserve, nor do I want to. We are living in the mercy of God, blessed by the grace of God. And when God gives us an opportunity to do anything, it is for the glory of God. 
And then he's going to turn around and reward us for doing what we should have done in the first place. So Jonah went through a whole lot of stuff that Jonah never should have went through. All he had to do was be obedient. God's not through. God's not through with personal relationships. God's not through with personal instructions. God's not through speaking to us in the night. Speaking to us through the storms. Speaking to us through the good times. Speaking to us through the bad times. God is not through directing his children's lives. God has a perfectly designed plan for every life sitting in this room. And there's no greater blessing than finding the center of God's will and living in that plan. Amen? Otherwise, from the belly of Sheol, I cried. From the belly of hell, I was, I was crying out, oh God. I mean, what can you cry at that point? Oh God, look what I done got myself into now. Look what, look what I done did now. How in the world could I get down here? I can tell you, I can tell you how people get down there so easy. Sin has its pleasures for a season. Sin, make no mistake, sin has its fleshly pleasures for a season. He, Hebrews talks about it. It calls it sin for a season. Pleasure says it's play. I think it's Hebrews chapter 11. It's talking about the heroes of faith. And, and it talks about how they ignored the, the temporary pleasures. That's what made them heroes of faith. The devil knows what he's doing. He knows our weaknesses. He knows what we like and don't like, what we want and don't want. Don't want. And he'll, he'll use our greatest weaknesses at our weakest moments to try to tempt us. Amen. Well, I'm out of time. Lord willing, we'll, we'll pick up here next week. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, pick up, we'll pick up here. Um, God, thank you so much. Thank you for this story, God. Thank you, Father, that I can see so many reflections of me. And God, the, the, when I see reflections of me and my mistakes and my faults and my failures... All I have to do is look at the mercy that you extended to Jonah. The mercy, Lord Jesus, that you extended to Peter. The mercy that you extended to Moses. The mercy that you extended to Abraham when he lied. Lord, I see your mercy all throughout your book. To, to every, Even the ones you call the friend of God. The man after God's own heart. I see your mercy extended to David, God. I see your mercy always extending. God, when I look back in my life, it's no different. I see your mercy extended on me, God. I just want to tell you thank you, Father. I pray you touch this group of people, Lord. I pray you'd go home. And Lord, I pray you put a hedge of protection around every family represented in this place. Guide us and keep us, Father. Help us to be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said.